Hello and welcome to Title Pending. I'm your host, Rocket, and I'm here to talk about the last two Cowboys games. I didn't podcast over Thanksgiving, so I have two Cowboys games to cover, that being the win against the Vikings and then the 28-20 win over the New York Giants. That being said, I will mostly be ignoring the, the, the uh, Vikings game because the Vikings game was a blowout, and there's really not much you can discern from a team when they win by that much. There's no value you can take going later in the season because the... It's 40-3. to three. Everything went right. Nothing went wrong. You can't really identify any flaws or weaknesses or any strengths from that game other than, yeah, the entire team played well. I mean, Trayvon Diggs played fat, fantastic coverage on Justin Jefferson. The defensive line put Kirk Cousins in, a, in an absolute grinder all day. He was absolutely miserable back there in the pocket. Seven sacks. He was under pressure basically the entire game. Just an absolute pummeling in the pocket for for Cousins. Uh, and offensively, Dak Prescott, brilliant, 22-25, only missed three passes, one of which was a drop by Dalton Schultz in the end zone. Uh, Tony Pollard probably had the best game of his career, 189 total yards from scrimmage. Uh, Ezekiel came back healthy and didn't get hurt in that game. There, there was basically nothing you can take from it other than, yeah, this Cowboys team, when they're at their best, they might be the best team in the NFL. They just don't play at their best very, very frequently. And he saw that against the Giants in a much closer game against a team that is significantly less talented than the Vikings. Um, so I will probably avoid talking too much about the Vikings game. Vikings still a good team. Uh, I don't know how legit they are. They play a lot of close games. And they got smoked in both games against the Cowboys and the Eagles. They did beat the Bills, but I don't know how real the Bills are right now with Josh Allen playing the way he is. Uh, and so I'll mostly move on from that game. There's not a ton to take away from it. So moving on to the Giants game. This game was a little uglier. Uh, in the first half, the Thanksgiving curse for the Cowboys really felt like it was going to strike again. The Cowboys had come into this game having lost four straight Thanksgiving games and with a lot of horrible memories on Thanksgiving. Last year, it was the Derek Carr game where it felt like the Raiders got a pass interference penalty on Anthony Brown every five, every five snaps, and we had to make a few years comeback to force the game into overtime and still lost. Uh, also, the Romo game in 2015 when he came back off the collarbone injury just to immediately get hurt and get absolutely destroyed by the Panthers. Just a lot of bad memories for the Cowboys in, over Thanksgiving. They were 3-7 and seven in their last 10, ten Thanksgiving games before, the, before this game. Uh, thankfully, the G Giants proved to be a much easier opponent than some of the last ones, and this Cowboys team proved that maybe they're a little different. I know what I said after the Green Bay game, that maybe they're not different. But they've responded well in ways that I don't think previous Cowboys teams have in not collapsing and, in fact, coming back stronger after a loss to the Packers. And there are some mitigating factors to that Packers loss. The linebacker core was a little weak. Anthony Barr has been hurt. And they've finally put Damone Clark out on the field. And he has really produced, at least by the eye test, from what I've seen. And he has really shirred up the front seven, especially because while our D-line is great, uh, our linebacking core has been a weakness pretty much for a couple years now. Uh, and also, we put Michael Parsons back at edge rusher. Against the Packers, He had him, they had him playing off ball. 47 snaps at linebacker compared to 10 snaps at edge, at edge defender in that game against the Packers, and he was nowhere near as effective. I don't know whether that was because he was coming off the bye and playing hurt or because they wanted to do something interesting with Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the field but ultimately it didn't work and they went back to putting him on the edge the last two games against the Vikings and Giants with much better success 
I know the Giants scored 20 points, but seven of those were in garbage time, so it was really 13 points in the in actual gameplay. The first half was pretty ugly. Uh, it gave bad memories. The Giants went in 13-7 to with the lead. Dak had two interceptions, neither of which you could I would really blame on him. The first one was an interception thrown to Michael Gallup uh, with Dak thinking he was a free play because the defender had jumped in the neutral zone. I don't want to blame Dak for that because the the center Tyler Biotis actually snapped that and made it feel like a free play to him. And in his mind, that's just the throw you have to make. Um, and that's it wasn't a great throw to Gallup either. It was late and really, really slow, which allowed the defender to pick it off. Uh, Radarius Williams, I believe it was. Um, we never got a replay of it, though. And it looked like on first view that his foot was out of bounds. But when we came back from commercial... They had confirmed it, and the Giants had the interception. I mean, the Mara family has some connections with Goodell, so I'm not saying anything, but it wouldn't be surprising if they might have called in a favor. Uh, but still, uh, one interception wasn't great. It could, it didn't look good at that point, but at the same time, the Giants' offense really did not have anything for the Cowboys' defense all game. They had a couple good drives in the first half. The second half was much, much better. Basically, nothing in the second half. But in the first half, Dak threw that one pick. And then the second the second pick was on a good drive to C.D. Lamb. Third and 15. Cowboys are driving, but then penalties, as always happen with this team, set them back. And they asked Dak to do crazy things to dig them out of him. Uh, in, in this game in particular, on third down, Dak's air yards per attempt was 17.6. He was driving that ball down the field. He had an average depth of target of 12 which is insane for an NFL quarterback. 12 is, you're saying that he's, on average, he's throwing two yards past the first down marker on every on every pass attempt. Uh, and CD, it looked like pass interference on the second interception, but either way, CD's got to catch that ball. It's a ball that you always want your quarterback throwing on third and 15. You don't want to play scared, especially against a team that didn't really have the firepower the Giants have. I'm not going to get upset about an interception against a team as offensively challenged as the Giants and also on my quarterback making a legitimately aggressive but not crazy throw. As far as the running game, though, the running game, I think, is what really stabilized the Cowboys in going into the going through the first half and into the second half. The, drive, the first drive ended up with really strong runs from Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke played one of the best games I've seen him play in a Cowboys uniform in a couple of years. He was fantastic in this game. 16 carries, 92 yards, and a touchdown. He was better than Tony Pollard, which has not happened very frequently in the last two years. Uh, Pollard was had a much more struggling day with 18 carries for 60 yards um, and only two two catches for a yard. He That was one of Pollard's worst games uh, this year, and he was just not real, really able to get much going. Ezekiel Elliott, though, fantastic in this game, and I thought... and. It really backed up the Cowboys' usage of him and Tony Pollard, of that 50-50 split being pretty being a pretty good idea. And maybe in the future, the Cowboys, if they do decide to re-sign Pollard this, this offseason or maybe even franchise tag him, that they go with that 50-50 split in the future. It sucks that the Cowboys ran Zeke into the ground when they really could have avoided doing that his first couple years in the league. But now that they are where they are and they've taken all of the – gas out of Ste- out of Zeke's legs so he can't be that fe- that feature back anymore. I I hope that they keep preserving his legs like this after last year they had him running out there on a P- on a PCL injury that he was clearly not 100% for 
And they really should have used Tony Pollard more last year because it really hurt us down the stretch with Zeke unable to get more than three yards on any carry. Dak got it turned around in the second half. The first half was not great. But I thought he, outside of the two interceptions, things went pretty well. But that's like saying, outside of outside of the gunshot, how was the play, Miss Lincoln? And that's just not good enough in the NFL. Those two plays, yes, they weren't Dak's fault, but he's got to do better. Um, I don't know how you can ask him to do better when... But at some point, you got to figure out like at some the balance between aggressiveness and also trying to play safe with the ball. See, because six interceptions is a lot for Dak. Dak does not throw many interceptions. He threw ten all of last year, despite throwing thirty-seven touchdowns, and he has one of the lowest interception percentages in NFL history. He's a very, very safe quarterback with the ball, despite also having decent air yardage typically for his career. Uh, this year, I think he's gone a little further on the gunslinger trait, which I don't mind. Uh, I think the offense needs it because right now they don't have any vertical threat and they really need somebody to be able to push the ball down the field despite the fact that we have no speed on offense. Um, So I don't mind Dak going full gunslinger if he can to try and keep this offense on schedule. And I thought it really paid off on third down in this game. Speaking of the first half again, though, it was really, really good to see Michael Gallup look, look healthy for the first time all year. Gallup had some sensational catches in this game on some slants and especially over the middle. It looked like classic Michael Gallup, especially especially with what he was coming out of Colorado State as a possession receiver. He with absolute magnets for hands. Uh, What he's turned himself into in the NFL is incredible as a go ball 50-50 guy because that was not what he was in Colorado State. And seeing that come back first before he got the go ball to go back uh, is is good. That is really good for the Cowboys' offense to get him back. And what his lack of health is what was pushing the Odell Beckham Jr. trade uh, free agent signing hype. And Gallup being healthy might mean that you don't have to go quite as desperate for that. I, ideally, you still want Beckham, though, because in the NFL, you want three quality receivers on the field at all times. So Gallup really kept the Cowboys on schedule. Him and Dak had a really nice connection in the first half. Gallup ended up with five catches for 63 yards, which doesn't look like a lot, but it definitely felt like, for the first time, Michael Michael Gallup was on the field this year. Um, And so, Cowboys went in the first half, 13-7, big deficit, but they actually deferred to start the game this time. So they actually got to play to get the ball first, and they had a magnificent drive to start the second half. Seven and a half minutes, capped off with a touchdown, just brilliant. Dak, Dak to Dalton Schultz, corner of the end zone, fantastic. Cowboys up 14-13. to 13. Speaking of Dalton Schultz, Dak and him, once again, their connection, really, really critical, especially on keeping the Cowboys on schedule, much like Gallup was in the first half. Dalton Schultz was there in the second half, like he always is for Dak. I know people are debating whether or not they should pay Schultz. I don't think they should. And you actually got a bit of an answer to that in the second half with Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot. Ferguson had an incredible catch. Dak was rolling out to his right. He Ferguson makes a great catch on what was a relatively high ball. Ferguson shows more yak ability than Dalton Schultz with some of the explosiveness after he catches the ball that Schultz definitely doesn't have. Uh, he had an incredible hurdle, and then he trucked another defender for an extra few yards. And really, that's the kind of explosiveness the Cowboys have missed from the tight end position for all of Dak's career. They... 
have talent on the outside, but having somebody who can consistently win over the middle is really big for this offense because it allows Dak to be able to be as aggressive over the middle as he has been the first the first five weeks since he's come back without risking the interceptions that you see C.D. Lamb and him have with the miscommunications all the time. The tight end, a big tight end that has the explosiveness to make catches over the middle is what would really take this offense to the next level because it would allow that aggressive big body type and that would let Dak trust him over the seam or in or in the middle of the field. And Jake Ferguson, he might be that guy. Fourth round pick, rookie. He looks really explosive, and I hope that they let Schultz walk and roll with Ferguson as their tight end of the future. And I think what helps with that is that you have Peyton Hendershot backing up Ferguson. So you have two solid, serviceable tight ends that are cheap that are already available to be played at the NFL level, especially for a position that takes as long as for tight to develop as tight end does. Take a look at David Njoku in Cleveland. First round pick, and he has not really produced until this year. It took half a decade for him to get to get it right. Tight end's a position that you don't want to invest heavy resources in unless you know you have an elite one. So that's why I'm okay with letting Schultz walk, even if him and Dak have shown consistently that they have a really nice connection. Ferguson and Hendershot. Hendershot also got a touchdown, a rushing touchdown. Shout out to Kellen Moore. Uh, managed to get a TE sweep. Not one you see typically in the NFL, but Hendershot got a walk-in touchdown, put the Cowboys up 28-13 to in the fourth quarter. Um, it was just, there was just some really, it was a really pretty second half. It felt a lot like the Vikings game uh, at that point where nothing really went wrong in the second half. Micah Parsons, two more sacks. He had two sacks against the Vikings too. That gave him four sacks in effectively five days. Uh, he was, he was phenomenal. Uh, and Demarcus Lawrence also really good, despite the broken foot. Uh, he was def- which is not great. Lawrence is always hurt though, so maybe he can play through it. Unfortunately, it is what it is with him. He's always he's been constantly hurt, even since he came out of college. When we traded up for him out of Boise State, he was hurt most of his rookie year. Really contributed against Detroit in the playoffs, but he's just a, an injury prone guy. It is what it is. But if he can play through it, he's still a Elite run defender and a very, very good pass rusher, even if he's not a top-tier pass rusher. Between Micah and Lawrence, though, the Cowboys' pass rush has been really good this year. Dorrance Armstrong had another good game against the Giants and the Vikings. There's not much more you could ask for him. He has eight sacks on the year. Eight. That's more than Randy Gregory. I know Gregory's been hurt, but eight sacks out of Dorrance Armstrong. And it's hard to remember that. He's only 25. The Cowboys have had him on the roster for what feels like ages, but he was super young coming out of Kansas. And he finally seems to have taken that next step as the guy who does the dirty work and also does still finish plays with sacks. Now, how sustainable that is because he's not the greatest pass rusher, I don't know. But playing behind Micah and Demarcus Lawrence, I think you can see Dorrance Armstrong being productive for the next couple years. And uh, Dante Fowler is a, uh, as a serviceable fourth edge rusher. The Cowboys are loaded with edge talent. The up the middle, not so much. Between linebacker and D and D tackle, they really they have one elite pass rushing D tackle, not really elite, but pretty good pass rushing D tackle Nosa Digizua. But outside of that, Neville Gallimore's been disappointing. Quinton Bohanna's been disappointing. Jonathan Hankins has been solid since he came back since he came here in that trade from the Raiders, but there's just there's just not much that up the middle. And the Cowboys do not invest up the middle with D-tackle, and especially, and they really shouldn't invest in linebacker. I like what they've been doing with drafting guys like Jabril Cox or Damone Clark in the late rounds of the draft that have athletic potential but maybe haven't figured it out yet. Uh, Damone Clark, in particular, is was an injury risk, 
with the spinal fusion surgery that he had starting when he got drafted. But he has paid off. He's already on the field. Would have been a first-round pick maybe if not for the spinal fusion surgery. He's been he's been really good. He's shored up. Leighton Van Der Esch has finally gotten back to maybe not necessarily pre-injury levels of play for him, but he has been really solid this year. And I think the Cowboys really needed that out of him to make to get this defense to that next level between them and the safeties. As far as anything else in the second half goes, though, defense was really good. Offense was really good. Dak Prescott missed three passes in the entire second half. He's on a level right now that he hasn't been on since the beginning of 2021, before the calf strain against the Patriots. Right now, if you look at his EPA per play, which is a really good indicator for how quarterback play is evaluated in the NFL, he's third since he came back since he came back from injury. And overall, he's fourth in the entire NFL this year, including his Week One against Tampa, which was ter- which was terrible. He's just making all the right decisions, all the right throws, all the right reads. He's winning pre-snap in ways that most that most quarterbacks in the NFL just can't. And I know that seems like hyperbole, but no. If you watch Dak Prescott play football, he wins pre-snap more than any other quarterback in the NFL that isn't Tom Brady. He is spectacular pre-snap. And it's his greatest strength. And yeah, he doesn't have the arm talent of a Mahomes or a Herbert or a Josh Allen, but he, what he has in between the ears is spectacular and a legitimately generational talent between the ears. And if the Cowboys get this level of play from him, who's to say they won't go far? I have no faith in them. I'm a Cowboys fan. I've long suffered. 25 years of this, I can that I don't know if they'll ever make it this far, but they have the right quarterback behind center to do it. I just don't know if they have the ability to break whatever curse, whatever deal with the devil Jerry Jones made. But this is the credit to Mike McCarthy for what he has done with this culture in two years, in three years since he since he replaced Jason Garrett. This is the most drama-free Cowboys team I've ever seen. When the biggest drama on this team is whether or not they sign a talented wide receiver off the street, you know that this is a drama-free Cowboys team because. He just prevented. He's prevented all kinds of leaks. The Cowboys have been become so much more solidified under McCarthy than they ever were under Garrett or Wade Phillips. And right now they're on pace to make the playoffs back in back-to-back years for the first time since 2006 and 2007. I don't know what more Mike McCarthy has to do to get credit in the NFL circles, but right now he should be in Coach of the Year consideration. Dak has missed five games and this team is eight and three. Are you kidding me? When Dak got hurt two years ago, the Cowboys couldn't win a game or they looked incompetent on without him. This is insane as far as a ability to keep a locker room together and keep guys focused on, on a job. Dan Quinn as well. And we need to give flowers to Kellen Moore. Since Dak co- has come back, the offense has looked much better because Kellen has taken the answers he's gotten from Cooper Rush in simplifying the offense and making it easier on your quarterback and has transferred that to, to Dak. And it has produce incredible results, which are on par with all the top offenses of the NFL. I know Kellen Moore doesn't get credit a lot in Cowboys land, and I have been harsh on him in the past. But since Dak has come back, he deserves flowers for being a really good offensive coordinator. And he's still really young. It's hard to it's hard to reconcile, but he's got tons of time to grow into being a legitimately quality coach in the NFL, which I and I think he already is that. Uh, and I hope that he keeps learning and slowly gets rid of some of these 
disgusting end-around plays, quite frankly, that just absolutely ruin drives for the Cowboys. But he's got time, and I think he's a long-term offensive coordinator and maybe even eventually a head coach in the NFL. I don't know if he'll get it this year, but he will get serious looks in the next couple years. But enough gushing about the Cowboys, I know. I, I was really negative two weeks ago when we lost to the Packers, and I still feel that way. But until the Cowboys prove to me that they can win in the playoffs, I can't be positive about them beyond what I see on the field on that particular day. I'm not going to get my hopes up as to where this team will go, but as long, but we just need one loss from Philly, and then the Cowboys need to take care of business on Christmas Eve against Philly, and also just steamroll these next three opponents. Texans, or you get the Colts, Texans, and Jaguars the next three weeks. Those are all three. They should be easy wins. I know. But the Cowboys typically do not make things easy. So I have no faith in them. I will see if they can continue the level of performance they've had since Dak has come back. And they have a really big date with Philly on Christmas Eve. That that is going to be a must-win game regardless of how Philly performs the next couple weeks. But if Philly drops even one game, the Cowboys will be right in the the driver's seat for for the NFC East. And the NFC as a whole if they can win that game on Christmas Eve. There's a lot of work to do. Still time in the season for things to change and for for seedings to change and for playoff matchups to change. So we will see. The Colts game, I'm expecting good things. They're not playing well against Pittsburgh right now, but they have a chance to win. I don't think the Cowboys should lose should win the, that game by less than 10. But it's the NFL. You don't get style points. They're, the style points are, are not worth anything in the NFL because, remember, the playoffs are a one-and-done thing. It's not a playoff series. The best team doesn't always win. It just matters if you win. So, hopefully, the Cowboys just keep winning, and that's really all I can ask for. But, yeah, that's about it for me today. I know there wasn't a ton to talk about because two wins, two relatively drama-free wins. There's not really much you can really come out with that other than, yay, the Cowboys are good. Uh, And they responded to the Packers game, and that's really all I wanted to see. So, hopefully, they keep keep responding and they keep showing how good they are against some of the dregs of the league with the Colts and Texans upcoming the Jaguars game might be a little scarier because Trevor Lawrence had a fantastic game yesterday and the light might have come on for him against Baltimore, but we will see. So hope you all have a great night. Hope you all enjoy your Thanksgiving. I will catch you all next time.